find you my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just Two Daydream Believers podcast. I am your host, Space Surfing 18. Today we are doing the Kurt side of the really pretty awesome episode, Sadie Hawkins. And I have some great guests with me today. Hi, I am Snarky Hag. I'm Wild Bright. Welcome, guys. And yeah, um, we're doing Sadie Hawkins today, which is kind of kicks off the second half of season four. Um, just as a uh, rehash a little bit. Um, coming from the first half of second, oh god, I can't talk. Coming from the first half of season four, um, you know the the season was a little bit disjointed. It had all the newbies and all the New York side and all the stuff that you know they weren't sure how to like connect. Um, but I think when we get into the second half of the season, I think all of this um, kind of flows together together better, and it, it, I. Th- I think this is the first time that we have a New York arc that still stands alone, but still kind of ties in what's going on with Lima. So I think that's kind of interesting. But also, I think that it's also a much funnier episode than the previous episodes had been. Everything was so, you know, drowned in heaviness. And this one's kind of a light and fun and really engaging episode. I, um, go ahead. I've suddenly lost track of what comes before. Is is this right after the Thanksgiving one? This is right after Glee, actually. Glee, actually. Yeah, Glee. So what we have before is I should reset the. I should have set this up. Um, What we have before we have kind of Kurt's arc kind of reaching a climactic point with being alive. And then we have the Glee actually, which is kind of a standalone, even though Kurt and Blaine kind of reconnect in that episode. And then this episode kind of starts the second half of his season four arc. Yeah, I agree. I feel like one of the reasons it's easy to enjoy it and find it to be more fun is because some of the heavy, heavy drama sadness has been alleviated on a lot of their characters. And everybody has a chance to kind of breathe and kind of see what they're all about. 
And by on the characters, I really just mean, like, Cleaner Finchel. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what's going on in the movies. I fast-forwarded all those parts, and I don't care. Oh, no, yeah, we're not I, mean, I think they're having drama. Yeah. I mean, they are having drama. <laughs> and Tina's probably having some drama, too. I feel for her. <laughs> yeah, she's she's going through some stuff. Uh, but we we're not we, yeah we don't even have to worry about that because this the, the New York stuff in this episode is pretty much standalone. Um, we don't really have anything. We don't have to deal with any of the Lima stuff on this one. So when we open up, Kurt is going to college for the first time, and yeah, you guys have thoughts on uh, the intro- reintroduction of Niata? Um, well, he's in that awesome blue hoodie, right? Yes. I love okay. the blue hoodie. <laughs> and, and the Niata campus, I guess it's the main building or the campus center, looks like a museum or a really nice office lobby. <laughs> and um, I don't know, does anybody know where that was filmed? That wasn't a set, was it? Or was it? Um, the one Niata room that they keep reusing over and over again is a set. The, the, the campus center or wherever he's reading the, the flyers? The yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, the weird thing is, like, well, I don't know it's weird. It's how they want to set up this part of the plot, right? He's like, oh, it's just like high school. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how's college like high school? It's different from my experience, but okay, I, I can understand. I mean, I guess I'll well, go with that. I, that I, well, I think what they're trying to, trying to do is, like, show the way that, like, I just said, like, twice. Um, <laughs> and I, so I never Rachel's, say, like... Rachel's pushing the narrative that this is New York, everything's different, this is adult life, we've got to change, things are going to be different. And he's still adjusting to the fact that, like, his understanding of the world is based off of the life that he lived up to, you know, X amount, you know, three months. How long has he been in New York? Two months? I'm Mm -hmm. not even sure. Um, Since Um, uh, September, and this is now January. And the only thing he has to, like, put things in perspective are his real life experiences or his dreams about what things would be like and he, he has a sort of a track record of having his real life experiences sort of crush his dreams right. so it makes sense to me that he has this fallback of like oh well I mean, I'm going to understand it in this context because of course you know, same old, same old, like, I've got this, my understanding of it is this is how it is. Right. Um, he's wrong. Right. And this episode really gives breathing room to the idea of, like, the new different things that Kurt is about to open up into. Right. But I don't think any of his steps forward would be as interesting or meaningful to his narrative if it weren't for the fact where he starts off in one place and goes for changes to get mm-hmm. to the final one. I think okay. in addition, um, I have two thoughts coming out of that. Um, one is I went to a college of music um, that wasn't exactly huge. Um, and it was like high school at times. There were definitely clicks. Um, you know, I was in, I, I went to school for composition and there was like 10 of us and we had our own little like, little section and there's the education majors were their own thing the performance majors were their own thing um the musicology students were their own little clique there were definitely cliques and sometimes there was drama in a high school way um even if we were a bit older but um but also you know i think the show is also setting up um that kurt is at the bottom again 
and right. like he's starting over and sometimes it, it you know it may feel so like high school even though it really isn't um but he's now having to work his way up again from this new place but also i think um he's starting in the middle of the semester too and everybody has had you know four months of the first semester even as freshmen to really get you know a handle on everything and he's definitely coming in as a, a very newbie person yeah that's he's true fish out of water again which i mean his stories are often fish out of water and i love them uh so it's very curt not only to be the fish out of water but assign that self that to himself mm-hmm. yeah well and and i mean honestly i mean just so we're talking about my autobiography so i came to college and was like it's nothing like high school and then I discovered that there are, in fact, things like high school. So I'm just, my surprise is more at him approaching it that way, mm-hmm. you know, and then learning is different. Mm-hmm. Because everybody should have their lives be exactly like mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very awesome. I can see why you think that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I think, you know, also it's a little bit funny to me that, you know, he points out some of the clicks, but are there really stage combat majors? I mean, <laughs> like, can you major in actual like stage fighting? And that that's kind of funny. I, I don't think so, but, um, <laughs> but I can see why they did it for uh, comedy's sake. Um, and yeah, again, that blue hoodie is just gorgeous. Why does he not wear that more often? Man. I love the little tin tin poof of hair that sticks out the front. <laughs> <sighs> but oh um and Sharky, maybe because i know you're really big into this um we talked about in um in the thanksgiving swan song one that after he and blaine have their conversation on the in on the ladders um he starts wearing lighter colors again and um it's nice to see that he is continuing to add more color into his wardrobe after wearing black for a ton of episodes after the breakup yeah. I also noticed that um, the first half of the episode, and maybe this is just, these are pretty colors, so it doesn't mean anything, but for the first half of the episode, the colors that he wears when he's at Miata are um, Dalton colors. Oh, wow. They're red. Um, And then when he's at home, he has this other relaxed look. Um, And then somewhere after the conversation with Rachel on the street, when he has on that amazing trench coat um then his Miata look changes slightly but there's still a lot of blue and red blue and red blue and red which I mean people look good in blue and red but it is a choice um and like that sweater that he has has that like it's like a scarf attached when he's looking at the bulletin board for the first time mm-hmm. it just screams Dalton in my opinion huh and then later on he has on a white button down with like a red and blue mascot and those waxy red pants, which again, more Dalton, um, or also red pants that go along with the red pants from the breakup. He doesn't wear red pants that often. Uh, Interesting. I, I'm really bad. I just, I'm beginning to notice things because like I talk with you so much about stuff like this, but I'm, I'm like, what does this mean? And Starkey has these brilliant answers that I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, I didn't notice that the department sometimes <laughs> does things purposefully, but also sometimes maybe I'm just reading into it. 
yeah. I didn't notice it at all, but now I've thought. I don't want to say them until we get to that part. Okay. okay. We'll put a pin in it. Keep going. So hopefully I'll remember. Um, <laughs> that there are people who just really be dying. Well, okay. What, what part are you wanting to say them? Because then I'll remind you at that part. Uh, the bulletin board and scarf. Okay. Um, so the other thing he says is that he thought that he and Rachel would be inseparable, but she has to go help Brody do shirtless things. <laughs> First of all, I love it. This is the best part about Brody. Um, but I can see why he would think that because she was so stuck to him at McKinley and she was so miserable without him until he finally arrived. And, you know, didn't you expect for her to be basically walking around with what she would refer to as her best day all the time? Well, I mean, just sort of like popped on his arm, reminding people that this is someone who just showed up at Winter Showcase and then got into the school. I mean, not really subtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I kind of like, though, that they went that way, that they didn't make them like you know, inseparable and always doing everything together. And I don't know. It's nice that despite the fact that they are still paralleling stories a little bit, Kurt gets his own thing to do and his, he's beginning to get his own world again. And it's like, things are separate from Rachel and that's always nice. Yeah. And it's important for her to be away from him because she ends up being sort of codependent on him a lot. Definitely emotionally. A lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Magic Mike the musical. I love it. Yeah, that was. would totally go see it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'd see it with Brody, but you know. <laughs> well, I thought he was trying out for it. Oh, he's just he's trying, trying out. out for it. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you know, just a little foreshadowing, sort of. Oh, really. that's a good point. Because they haven't brought up the whole um, escort thing yet. Oh, that's no. That the R&B was still trying to decide whether or not uh, fandom hated Brody or not. Right. Yep. They're like, how will we get rid of him? I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, we details. give him these great lines. Why don't they love him? <laughs> Um, so yeah, and, and Kurt decides, I, I kind of like uh, something that came out of the whole being alive thing, at least to me in my interpretation, is that after Kurt sings that, something that comes out of the whole um, being alive performance is that Kurt does start to go out there and take chances again, whereas I think after the breakup, he kind of just shuts down for a long time. And so, yeah, he goes out and he's like, I have to make friends. I'm going to go join clubs and do things. And I think that's really cool that he, he decides to go and, and try to find place, you know, places that he can fit in instead of just being like a wallflower and taking his classes and not trying anything. Um, Seeing his approach now with closed cannon and having a parallel to uh, the 2009 episode, where Bert basically makes him go out and join a club to make friends. I really loved it. I was like, oh yeah, that is how it works. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting when you compare it with Blaine, who joined 32 clubs and still only managed to make one friend, but whatever. <laughs> oh, well, and I like, I don't understand. He should have um, all the friends. Well, he probably does. Well, I'm sure Blaine does. He just doesn't like 
they're just they not are. good enough for him. Right. No, I'm <laughs> like, I mean, no, no. I mean, I'm sure he thinks everybody is good enough. He just yeah. doesn't feel, he's, but he's not good enough for that. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Right. But he has uh, a lot of adoring hordes, and I don't say that badly. I mean, but for good reason. <laughs> so, you know, he's got, he can be selective. It's not weird for him to have someone say, like, I just really love you. <laughs> well, I mean, like, um, but speaking of adoring hordes, so also with the Winter Showcase, Kurt has this thing preceding him. Like, people know who he is before he walks into the room. Not everybody, or some people don't care, but, you know, Adam's pretty freaking impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I'm just going to assume there's other people who are pretty freaking impressed, and Kurt is so clueless that he just, you know, I mean, it takes, like, Adam being a freaking hammer to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, I guess somebody thinks I'm attractive. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's why it was funny that we don't get at least some point where Rachel is, like, beamingly walking around with him. That is true. I love all the pics that I've read over the years where uh, people in Miata think that Kurt and Rachel are a couple. (laughs) <laughs> Which makes sense <laughs> Because she acts like his boyfriend Non-stop <laughs> um, So do we want to talk about What do you get Okay mm. How, mm, I will start again Sorry I'm just really bad at talking um, That is why I do podcasts um, So We get our introduction to Adam So uh, what are your guys' thoughts On the introduction to Adam Well, But that's not the first Kurt thing Oh it's not did I missing something? Well, and is it? Do we? Is it? We already get the introduction to him. Yeah, he's looking at no, the pillar. It? It's just a flyby thing, but he's like, um, it, we get the oh, pillar. Oh, so we totally skipped the scene. I think the first scene is like Kurt and Rachel talking about. Oh, Rachel had Brody sleep over, which is no. That actually okay. So what happens is that. Um, there's there's two pillar scenes with Adam. Okay. The first one, he's just looking at all of the, you know... Oh, like, and Adam just flies by. And just Adam flies by. His face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he's just like... Um, uh, I always thought he said... He says Miata show choir, but I always thought it sounded like not a show choir. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but basically, he's like, you should join the Miata show choir. Um, okay, okay, that's right. And that's pretty much it. And he's like, oh, and he just thinks about it. Because it, yeah, so. I mean, I, for one, would have loved for him to join the Grand Guignol. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> the what? Oh, so oh was that there, on the, one so of the there were three. There was, oh, no, four. There was the Elizabethan Club. Mm-hmm. Right. The Tennessee Williams Play Reading Group. Which, which he, he clearly joins. joins. Right. Because he's reading it later. And then there's the Grand Guignol. I can't, I'm not, I can't speak French. G-I-U-G-N-O-L club, and that's, like, a theater company from Paris that did, like, realistic oh, we know. horror shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Which fits right in with and Ryan like, Murphy's, you know, thing. I would have loved that. Yeah. Because we would have gotten, like, some sort of, like, devious villain covered in blood, and that would have been fabulous. <laughs> and that Chris Colbert said they didn't do that. Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I still wonder, like trying to, like just sort of going to all these various clubs and making that face with the wide eyes of like, oh my god, get me out of here! (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna my head. I have to wonder with the playwriting stuff if they were still, because in season three is when they were like, we should have Kurt write novels and or his own stuff, and Chris was like, no, we're not doing that. But it's still hinted throughout the rest of the series that he writes stuff. 
So yeah, for but. sure because he's you know unhirable. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Shakes fist angrily at Sky. Oh man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So yeah, um, he's looking to join the the uh, show choir, which is Adam's Apples, um, which is obviously a pun on Adam Apple. What I wouldn't. Do you guys remember when the spoilers were coming out though, and his name was originally Adam's name was originally Paul? It kind of makes me wonder what the group's name would have been back then. Paul Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I only went to bad places. <laughs> I only went with alliteration. Oh, so. <laughs> Wait, alliteration? <laughs> wow, would be, Snarky. <laughs> would that be female genitalia? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, male genitalia as well. All kinds of genitalia begin with me. <laughs> Phallic. <laughs> Phallicies. <laughs> So yeah, um, then we get the the scene with Rachel and and Kurt on the couch and and um, oh, he's singing. Can I give a shout out to the sweater. Yeah, I love that sweater. I want that sweater. Well, you shouldn't have that sweater. I, I didn't buy anything from the auction. <laughs> <laughs> if I was going to, I would have bought the hippo brooch. But when it became five hundred dollars, I thought, mm, no, that's a poor choice. Is it though? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it probably would have been. Probably not. I mean, can you put a price on love? So we have this scene where um, Kurt is um, practicing his warm ups, which is good for him. You should be warming. I should always warm up before you sing, ladies and gentlemen. It's important. And then um, Brody has slept over because, believe it or not, there is a kind of mini Rachel arc in this episode that you don't really figure out until the end um but <laughs> basically yeah I, and i like that kurt says well i'm glad i have my noise or my white noise machine right <laughs> i love how scandalized both of them are that she had a boy stay over right <laughs> they're both like oh my god can you believe it <laughs> i'm so limoncello sure. twins. the limoncello twins are on it <laughs> Oh, man. And I love that Kurt, we talked about this in Thanksgiving a bit, but Kurt is just not really that impressed with Brody at all. And he's like, okay, well, whatever. If you really want to do that, that's fine. (laughs) Um, But the meat of this conversation is about, you know, Rachel actually asks how his week was. And he's like, oh, it's fine. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of doing Adam's apples. And she just flips out, like. You cannot do that. How that's career suicide. You would you'll be doing you'll be singing as a dancing teacup in the background of Beauty and the Beast, apparently. Yeah, um, doomed to be in the chorus. Eh. And Which is her worst nightmare. Yeah. yeah worse than death. <laughs> so I I don't know, I think she's being a little melodramatic here, but <laughs> um but the thing is, I mean Kurt listen I mean he he gets he hears her, and he's a little bit sad about it in this particular scene, but I love that he just kind of ignores her anyway. He's like, whatever, okay. Yeah. He's well, gonna... he definitely, you know, he considers it. You can see he, like, 
he doesn't brush it off as like, oh, she's crazy, like always. He's like, oh, but, you know, mm-hmm. take that into consideration. Mm-hmm. While I sit so, here with my sweater and my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so, my question about her is that, like, so at what point? Because she doesn't say it like in that breathless kind of way she used to, like where she's like totally hyper, like you know, in season one and. Do. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, you can't do it because it's career suicide. Like, she says it more calmly. And, like, when did that change happen in Rachel? Was that, like, th- was that well, just in New York or was that, like, more season three? No, I think I mean, it was New York ish. She was still in that kind conversation. Of- she makes a point to say, like, we're not in high school anymore. Things are yeah. different. Um, and she She's really carrying herself in a, in a, I mean, she's still essentially the same, but she's carrying herself with more maturity. Yeah. Um, and, mm. you know, maybe she's a little sleepy, yeah. worn out. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, well, she's trying to be quiet. Well, that too. She doesn't want to wake up her lover. Um, <laughs> which is exactly what she would call it. <laughs> I know. She might put that way. <laughs> but, um,. She's, yeah, ever since the New York stuff and, and since Makeover and whatnot, she's been really trying to do this whole, I'm an adult thing, and this is how adults act, and and right. it's just her, her, persona- her personality hasn't really changed, but the way she's been holding herself, I guess, has been right. different. She's been trying to portray, you know, um, highly adult, sophisticated New Yorker, um, yeah. even though she... Well, she's had a Makeover. Uh, yes, yeah. she has. It's kind of a bummer, though. I kind of like the panicky Rachel better, but... Oh, yeah. Well, I I, she kind of gets back to that in season five. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah, I'm not a real huge fan of season four. And I have a thought later on when they're talking um, on the street that I will save for that particular moment. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, I'm, it's, I'm not, I understand a lot of where Rachel's coming from, and I understand a lot of the reasons she says what she does, but I'm still like... Come on, Rachel. Ugh. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Okay, so now is the second pillar um, of uh, the story. No. Of, uh, the cornboard. Yep. And and this is where we really get to meet Adam. And um, he kind of comes through and he says a lot of things very quickly that I've, I have remember I had to hear it like three or four times before I understood what he Adam. even said. <laughs> the Adam comes through? Yeah. Oh, talking quickly? Right. Yeah. No one can understand what he's saying. <laughs> I'm sure there are people who can understand what he's saying. They just aren't us. Yeah. But it, it's... I mean, he's, what he's saying is written all over his face because he has this, like, oh, yeah, look on his face. The entire exchange of the corkboard. Right. And then the part that really matters, he slows down to say, you know, he says... Your winter showcase performance was breathtaking. Right. Which yeah. is the absolutely heard line, you know. And then he like really leans in and goes for pursuit. And, you know, Kirk kind of says no, but is kind of happy about this pursuit. I think he misses being pursued like this. Um, and then as they continue on, there's like that weird, you notice it, Wilbert, that weird like faith aid in and out sort of supplant something romantic on top of a not entirely romantic conversation that like hits you over the head with like he is wooing him wait what do you mean it music there was like a like a fade in and out of like their faces so they're also like no, it was a close on their faces oh 
This is the swirly camera, though. They go around, the, like, the pillar and around them, and it's kind of, like, the the camera moves around really quickly as if, you know, coming in and zooming in, kind of like a rom-com-ish type thing. The chase is on kind yeah. of thing. Right. Yeah. But, though I did make the joke in my meta that I bet Adam hangs around his pillar to like, because he's always there. So he's like watching his pillar and trying to come in for the kill like a hawk. Um. <laughs> okay, I, I, no, I, okay. Oh, this is just a joke. <laughs> I like no, Adam. Adam, Adam, Adam why is this thing? That is not un- unknown behavior among college students when they are interested <laughs> in somebody. I, I, I never knew anyone. Who did anything like that? But I've heard. So, <laughs> Adam watches the the sign up list the way Schuster did, <laughs> waiting, waiting for one name. Penis. <laughs> oh man. So, but yeah, Adam comes in here and he he he's like, "Yep, I want you. We want you." <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have the opportunity to talk to Kurt in the shower, so this is how he has to jump on this. And I lied. I lied. I'm looking back at my notes. You're right. This is the fade in, fade out scene. Yeah. I'm like, I'm I'm like, did you have the same feeling as like, what they're talking about doesn't seem like that romantic, but the way it's cut, it sort of like puts some extra emphasis on like, just an exchange. Right, so what we're talking about is they're talking, and then, like, so they'll have, like, the normal frame where, like, say, Adam is facing Kurt, and you wouldn't usually see Kurt's face, and then they superimpose Kurt fate, like, a little halo face. <laughs> looking, looking at... it almost. Yeah. Right. Their eyes don't quite meet because... Whatever, but it's like the Brokeback Mountain poster. If people know the Brokeback Mountain poster, <laughs> it's like the Brokeback Mountain poster. Which, oh, I would not say that this scene is a direct reference to Brokeback Mountain, because Brokeback Mountain was referencing all these other romance images, but... Which is out there, it's in the zeitgeist. Right. <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the him talking about Kurt being breathtaking, and then the, the way that was cut is like... I don't, I don't even remember. Aside from Chris' outfit, I don't even remember the rest of it. Yeah. So very, very Dalton outfit. So is this something that we've discussed? Like, I mean, that fandom has discussed eight million times, and we all know the answer, or we don't know the answer. Like, were they trying to set this up to be like the next love of his life with all that cheesy stuff? Because, like, mm-hmm. I mean, because let's admit it. In retrospect, a lot of the Kurt Blaine stuff was super cheesy too. Yeah. Or, I, okay. Yeah. How were they trying to set it up? Okay. My thought was, okay, this was my thought. I do think that Kurt and Blaine was always going to be endgame. There's always going to be, they were going to put them back together at some point. Okay. Um, I do think that this particular setup going into baby got back. I do think it's supposed to mirror teenage dream. I think it's in, in the never been kissed stuff because here's, you know, Kurt comes down the stairs, he meets this guy, he's real cute, the guy takes his hand, goes off and sings a, a song to him. And in this, it's kind of set up similarly. Um, here's this cute guy who runs a show choir, who um, takes interest in Kurt right away, and doesn't take his hand, but like, hey, come with me, we're going to go do this thing. And Baby Got Back is actually 
intentionally supposed to be, at least in my interpretation, I should add, um, it's supposed to be provoking teenage dream. However, baby got back is the most ridiculous thing ever. And, and, and yes, I think part of the reason the parallel functions and has to function is that this is how you get through to hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if if Adam didn't show up with a really important compliment, like breathtaking, and if he didn't serenade him, Kurt would not notice and it would not clue in to him in the same way. Mm -hmm. And I think also though, I think this was intentionally like, yes, this is how you get to Kurt, but also we are going to make kind of a joke about it. I mean, it is super cheesy and baby got back is ridiculous. I mean, it's funny, but it is ridiculous. And it's kind of, at least again, my interpretation, it's kind of glee parodying itself. Like, you know, here's this next romantic story, but we're not supposed to take it seriously because this is not the, the, I, I don't think that Adam was supposed to ever be anything more than what Brody is to Rachel. So. Ooh. Yeah. No, but I. <laughs> well, I do think it's like you know you give Adam all of the tools that Blaine usually uses, and like let's be honest, if if it was Blaine who walked up and said your showcase performance was breathtaking, and then saying baby bot got back to him, we would have been all in. Instead, <laughs> it's like a poor man's blame. So no, I mean, and I like Adam way, 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 way better than Brody. I don't. I mean, I, I'm sorry I about. Mean, at one yeah. point, Adam even does Blaine's signature move where he, like, waggles his butt at Kurt. And Kurt's giggling, and he's enjoying it, but it's not the same sort of reciprocation. So, I I do, like, I like Adam as a character. I am sad that they didn't develop him more, because I think there is a really interesting story here. Um, however, and we can totally disagree on this, I'm, I'm just always going to be a claim shipper, so it's always going to be back to point for me but I mean in alternative universes yeah you could go you know Adam is a nice viable choice so that's just my two cents much better than Bruce. but it, it is interesting that interspersed between so like right after baby got back or whatever like right in there is that scene where Blaine talks about his crush on Sam and so you have this linkage between the two of them sort of taking part in some sort of for lack of a better term, relationship, it doesn't really fit for either. Or at least that's how it's sort of like, you know, supplanted in my mind. And isn't that, okay, and there's another parallel with that later, which I can mention at that point. Was this the scene that you said you had something you thought about? Well, was this the one with the scarf? No, I think the scarf was before. Oh. When you were talking about the Dalton's scarf. That was the the first time when he's looking at the posters, he's got the Dalton's No, I think it's this time, because I'm looking at the photos. The first time he's wearing red with kind of a, with blue piping. I'm sorry. (laughs) But it is kind of a... It's it's a red color with kind of blue stripes. And then the second time he's wearing a white shirt with a red and blue scarf. Yeah, and red okay. hair. That's during the baby back. Uh, back. So, yeah. And it was yeah. super Dalton. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it could, if it was intentional, I'll be, you know, calling back to that. But in a, 
I don't know, not great way or not as effective way or maybe purposefully not as effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It could just be that, like, you know, you could meta that in this exchange with Adam, the baby got vaccinated, everything he's wearing, he can't really let go of his connection to Blaine. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that comes up later, too. Yeah. This, um, so do we want to talk about the song? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Baby Got Back. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I wasn't going to skip over that, no. Um, Oh, did you have thoughts? Because I was going to go ahead and let you guys have thoughts, but I will say... Oh, well, no, just... So, I didn't know at the time that the episode came out, because I'm like, you know, a spoiler avoider, and I was not familiar with this artist, that this song, this version of Baby Got Back was like basically a carbon copy of somebody else's cover of Baby Got Back. Mm -hmm. And that there was really no point in suing because it was a cover. You can copyright... Well, I suppose you can copyright arrangements of original works, but he he hadn't. And um, so... uh, And it's not automatically covered under copyright law or whatever. Right. So they just basically ripped off this dude's... um, does anybody know the name of the artist? I, let me see if I can look it up. Um, yeah, basically, um, and oh, um, yeah. I feel really bad because, like, uh, like a rum chocolate souffle, Jonathan Jamie. Colton. Jonathan Colton. Uh, Jamie had actually done a, a little bit of research, and, and they basically said what you said, um, that because it wasn't original, because it was a cover, they didn't have copyright um, um, protection. Protection, yes. Yeah. And so that Glee can could rip it off. So then there was this whole thing where the artist that did the cover sued them. Um, I think there was a settlement out of court, uh, and he they did eventually give him kind of like a asterisk credit on it. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was a, a big thing at the time when the song came out. Was all there was all this legal stuff going on with this song, and I think you know that kind of. Put a uh, put a sour note um, on this whole per- performance, just because I remember I'll, in this entire episode, because I remember that was in the media a lot about how Glee rips off artists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, and I, yeah, just seeing the performance again and like the tune that they do, I'm like, that is not in Sir Mix-a-Lot's version. That no. tune is not. You know, I mean, you have to. It might be based on it, but so anyway, whatever. I don't know how the lawsuit turned out. But yeah, so that's something I guess that poisons the well as well on Adam. On Adam, yeah. The fact that it was a bad choice of Adam. Yeah, how dare he? How dare he appropriate other artists' work? Yeah. Adam, dude, is (laughs) evil. No, Adam was not evil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Glee. It's a weird, yeah. It's a a weird song to sing to Kurt. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't really fit, but that's okay because that's kind of the whole point of the yeah, I was just saying, I think that's like the trying point. to make some Plus, I, I, well, I don't like this song. I don't like this version of the song. I'm not a big fan of the original, but this scene is, I, I think, is really funny. Like every, the way they're dancing, the way Adam's getting really into it, it's just a really funny scene. Um, but I don't know. I, I had to keep looking away. Oh, yeah. Kurt, Kurt enjoyed it like too much. Like, it seemed kind of overkill, in my opinion. Like, you can't be liking it this much. Yeah, like, you can't possibly be liking it that much. 
Maybe he's like, oh my gosh, these people are bigger dorks than my glee club in high school. Yes, I, that's what I got the impression of. Like, oh my god, I cannot believe this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. That's what I took it as. I didn't take it as, oh, I'm now falling in love with this guy because, look, he's singing about butts. It's like, oh my god, they're really doing yeah, this. It's not like, oh, I'm so sucked into this magical Hogwarts. <laughs> no. Um, oh, shout out to, um, there were a lot of people in this background and I don't know most of them, but I do know one was Joey Richter, who is, um, one of the star kids. Um, uh, and he there's played a really funny note on the Glee wiki. That's like, in the, you know, you scroll down the bottom of each episode mm-hmm. and it says like trivia. And the note is like, you know, Joey Richter was the second person from star kid to appear on Glee. The first was Darren Chris. He's like, Oh Jesus, seriously. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. For, this guy. <laughs> Um, Joey Richter played Ron in a, a very Harry Harry Potter musical, whatever the name of that is. Um, in case anybody he was at Hedwig the night I went to Hedwig. Oh, was he really? I saw. Uh, yeah, which is funny because like I saw him. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. And then I was leaving, and someone like rolled down their window and screamed out to him like, "Are you Joey Richter?" She was like, "Yes." And I'm like, "Yes." <laughs> okay. Like. <laughs> Their follow up? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, there was some uh, BTS stuff because Darren was on set during this because Joey yeah. Richter was there. So, uh, but anyway, <laughs> and I'm sure this must have been a funny thing to film. I mean, I don't, you know, like if you saw a bunch of people <laughs> having to do this on set, I'd just be sitting there laughing too. So, yeah. it's really funny because Adam's supposed to be this posh, sophisticated, and older gentleman. Okay, who says? Or that's what people were expecting. Yeah, because we got, we were spoiled. I remember the what happened is that this next scene that we're going to get to with Rachel and Kurt walking had him, had his when his name was Paul and he was supposed to be 24 and really sophisticated and blah, blah, blah. And it's funny when it came out because it was like everything that was in the script, the original version of the script, um, a bit of it was changed. But um, it, it was kind of like, really? This guy is just kind of like, I mean... Again, Adam's a fun character, but if this is like, you know, Mr. Sophisticated and like mature and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, no. I I think in our mind, we had, the fandom had had that image of like, um, you know, the claim that you were Blaine's 40 and Kurt's 20 and Blaine is like a higher (laughs) up. Like, I think in our mind, that's the sophisticated gentleman in like a suit that shows up. Like the, the older man got you know a luxury apartment he's going to seduce Kurt with <laughs> champagne and trips on his jet like that's sort of where standing that's where our imagination went and then we got this little, like kind of sweet hipster <laughs> oh yeah. man so I actually I mean I think I did I did get somehow I did learn before Adam was introduced that there was going to be an older love interest who was British and, like, all I knew, but older was, like, the important part, right? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, yeah, like, 40s, maybe 50s. I was I was, uh, yeah. I was picturing uh, the Watcher from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Giles. <laughs> is this Giles? Is this his name? Anyway, I'm totally picturing yeah. him. And then I was like, that's not him. Well, because I had that whole kerfuffle with, like, Chase from Bose being a thing that's not a thing. And then there was this older person, and you know, Kurt 
he's not going to go for some kid. You know, no. Older, sophisticated, that's his jam. Uh, Which is funny, because you know, Blaine's not older. <laughs> but, yeah. Sort of. I maintain he is a grandpa. It's true. And he is old-timey. <laughs> <laughs> he is kind of 40 all the time. <laughs> it's kind of like 80 all the time. <laughs> oh, Blaine. But... Yeah, I mean, think about, like, all those in years were, like, Blaine significantly older. They work really well. True. You know, but I mean, that's partly because they're AUs and they're romances and romances. The couple always works really well. (laughs) I mean, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to sit down and write a romantic AU, I want them to work well together. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So some, some work less well for me. Oh, you mean they work well for you, like, as a thing? Yeah, like, as oh, okay. in terms of, like, how the characters would make sense with my headcanons. Right. You know, right. Silver Fox Lane makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm just extra I'm sorry, was that the world's most dismissive okay? I <laughs> Old Lane, Grandpa Blaine. <laughs> Uh, you know what though? I kind of take you know you should read those fanfics and he's thirty and he's already getting gray hairs. I'm like really no. I'm sorry. I know some people can As get gray hairs. Old, I find that offensive. <laughs> I'm like I'm only thirty four. I don't have gray hair yet. Jeez. One of my friend's moms went gray when she was seventeen. Yeah, no. I, when Hungary got invaded and she was Hungarian. So. One of my um, friend's dads was, awesome. was all gray at twenty five, so it, it can happen, but it's just kind of like. No. No. Um, so, yeah, that's Baby Got Back. <laughs> oh, that's all. Um, all right, so the next scene that we get is in New York. This actually was filmed in New York. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, because they're out on the street. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure it's New York. And this is where uh, Rachel and Kurt, and Rachel's going to give Kurt advice all throughout this scene. Rachel is all about the reality smackdown of like, pay attention, you idiot. Pay attention, you idiot, Kurt. Yeah, yeah. Because she's not paying attention to the cars. No. Okay, no. did you feel. Okay, that's. that's I'm gonna, did we all think she was going to get hit by cars? Yes. It was going to be the, the very special episode of Glee. <laughs> that's my thing. When she, when she walks, and we'll talk about content in a second, but when she walks across the street and she kind of stops halfway through, I'm like. God, is she gonna get friggin' hit? Because like you don't stop in the middle of a New York street. Just you keep going. I, it just yeah. So every time She's I watch this, she's scene. headed towards this Brody on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, no, but I can't remember what uh, she. Oh, she asks if Kurt wants to come out and hang out with Brody and Rachel, and he's like, no, not really. And she's like, oh, I just cannot wait until you meet the man of your dreams. And then we'll all go on double dates and it'll just be like high school when it was Blaine and Ben, even though she didn't say that. And, um, you know, just I'm so happy I have this life. I have my life imagined and I have your life imagined and we're all going to be amazing. And he's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, like you know, his face is like, oh, you mean that guy is still hung up on? <laughs> you know, like she names Blaine. Mm-hmm. Like she, she does. does. Mm-hmm. She like yeah, says his yeah. name. Immediately well, his face is like, 
He, she says specifically, um, you know, now that you're over Blaine and the breakup, and he makes, right. he's like physically sick. He's like, okay. Right. Yeah, no, it's not crazy. really. I'm like, man, he's so good at doing Chris Colbert. He's so yeah. good at doing those little faces. Like. Absolutely. So, yeah, he's so like, oh, I'm not, I'm not over this, but okay, I'll just keep following you. Cause she's completely, she is really mostly oblivious to everything that he's going through for most of the season four stuff. She's yeah. a lot better in season five, but, and I don't know if that is, you know, is Kurt intentionally not talking to her a lot about like what's going on with himself emotionally. Cause she's just so much or, you know, I, I don't know. I'm never really sure how to read it, but right. I do know, I do get the sense that he's definitely not opening up about how he feels about things, um, to her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, it's pretty clear what her opinion is. Like, you know, get some arm candy and let's head out to New York streets and have fun. Yeah. Did you understand? I couldn't understand what she said. Where he's talking, he mentions that, like, there's this guy and she says some name. It sounds like Romulus Farsa, which I don't know. About <laughs> I, you know what? I, Did you understand what she said? I'm, I went back. I tried so many times to understand it, and I just couldn't. I, I did it on closed. I, I I don't remember the name. I did it on closed captioning once, and I believe it's an actor who's in theater, is what she said. Okay. Well, that would make sense. I just yeah. didn't get the reference. But he's not like like it's not somebody that I mean maybe in the in the theater world he's well known, but it wasn't somebody that like was like movie star famous or anything. So, sure. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, has to be someone who she might realistically think. He's canoodling with, of course, some Broadway actor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you know, she's not wrong about that one. She's older. <laughs> she's two for two. <laughs> yeah. But I did like in his um, sort of retelling of the things that uh, makes him think maybe Adam's in. He does not mention the baby got back. He doesn't, you know, that I think of that. It's because he says, you know, um, he, he's reading. The the first thing is that he's sitting there reading for his Tennessee Williams playwriting stuff. Um, though that's a side meta somebody should do at some point. Tennessee Williams plays. Um, totally. Why, why, why? I don't know. I just think it'd be interesting. Like, cause Galitos is, it has this thing. Um, it's it some, a lot of times puts in references purposely and I feel really bad because the makeover one, and I didn't bring it up on the Kurt side, and I ended up doing it on the Blaine side because I completely forgot. Um, the two movies that Isabel mentions that they go see for that double feature, um, actually... Oh, show... Wait, no, no, what's Showgirl? No, that's later on. Uh, <laughs> with the, the Red Balloon and something else. And it actually, they tie in a little bit to Kurt's story. Um, and it's, it was kind of interesting. So I don't know. I just I wonder if Tennessee Williams was a, if they had something in mind for that or if it was just kind of a random like you know I don't know. Sometimes Glee is completely random. Other times it's really purposeful. It's hard to tell the difference. <laughs> um, so but anyway, Adam walks by and he tells um, Kurt that he looks like a young Paul Newman. Right. These are flashbacks. Well, yeah. Yeah. Kurt's so wearing Kurt that thing that's like half a t-shirt, half a sweater. Oh, so, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, I just want to touch it so I can understand it. <laughs> like, what is this texture? So, yeah, so it's like, no, he's, um, yeah, he's, so Kurt is, is retelling these, and we get 
to, to Rachel because he's like, I'm not sure if this guy is interested in me. Right? <laughs> That's right. Yep. So let me tell you like these things. I really can't read the the signs. And so there's these flashbacks to basically like Adam drooling all over him. Well, you know, I will. Yeah. Or did you think where Adam makes him take a compliment? Like, right. Forces a compliment on him and then looks very pleased with himself. (laughs) (laughs) Also, good job, Kurt. Not not naming blame. Smooth one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm totally not thinking about my ex-boyfriend at all. (laughs) Are you (laughs) boyfriend? He's with himself. Kurt or Adam? Adam. Okay. When Kurt says, okay, thank you, Adam's like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, I got this on lock. (laughs) 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 It's like, Adam, did you not see... Okay, again, I understand you're blinded by the whole sweatpants, tight sweatpants situation of the tone on there and the hair and the everything. I get it. But, like, you know, you give him a compliment, and the first thing he says is, my ex-boyfriend was the dancer in our relationship, which, I mean, launch a thousand vets, please. But, and then Adam's like, no, seriously, like, I'm trying to compliment you. Like, this is me hitting on you. Please understand this. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, okay. And then Adam's like, <laughs> and then Rachel says the thing that everyone's thinking of, like, you know, let me flick you on the forehead. Well, no, okay, I'm like, going to. When def- are you going to get it? I'm going to defend her a little bit on this, okay? Because let's talk about the last time, like he he had feelings for two guys, for Finn and for Blaine, right? And for Blaine, like he thought that Blaine was into him too. And because right, of yeah. all of the yeah. flirting and all the yeah. touching and all that stuff, and then it turned out like he was into Jemiah. And so Kurt, I don't think Kurt trusts it, you know, like, yeah, no, sure. So I, I do all know in retrospect that Blaine was into him. He just didn't understand that he was into him. That's true. It's <laughs> also very hard, like to reconcile that state, the statements that he's making when he's walking down the street with that trench coat on and the scarf and the hair. And he's just like flawlessly gorgeous, you know, right. <laughs> Gosh, why would anyone be interested in me? Yeah, like, I would be an awful person, and probably ten people would be interested. <laughs> I think that also. I mean, Kurt. I mean, looking back at I his history, Kurt always thought he was going to be alone. He never thought he was going to have a boyfriend. He never thought that, like, you know, he he yeah. still got. I think that, you know, one of those things. It's kind of like I still have a hard time believing that like people like me, and and I know my friends are like, "Are you crazy? We like you." Like, I know, but it, I spent so much of my life people not liking me, it kind of, like, gets ingrained in your head that you're not a likable person. So I understand right. that, you know, Kurt getting, you know, like, you take a compliment, Kurt, it's like, yeah, you have to hit him over the head because he's so, he's got it in his head that he's not a likable person. Yeah. But it just brings well, up the whole question for me, and maybe it was jumping ahead, why Adam hasn't asked him out. Whatever. That's, I'm sorry, that is a good because the story out. would not work if he did. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because it's all about. Oh, okay. Yeah, because the theme of the episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, in, I mean, in I reality, don't, I don't. Yeah. You don't get to know much about Adam, but you could argue that Adam's been attempting to ask him out the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> He's just not that good at it. It's right. true. Yeah. Like, are all of these things, all of these compliments, all of this, like, come join my Adam's apples? Um, mm-hmm. is all of this, you know, is that part of him asking her out, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, this is, you know, what, 15 minutes of the entire episode. It's like, there's not a lot of room to really develop the story as much as it could have. And would have, it would have been and, fun to see. So 
And I was not I mean, that suave at the age of 22. <laughs> he's sophisticated, he's older, he's handsome. Well, this is the quote. Uh, yeah, no, I wrote down the quote because I remember when the episode came out, I was so excited by this quote. Because it's like, he's 22, sophisticated, handsome. And I and wasn't Chris 22 in season four or was he 23 by then? No, um, 21 in season 22. He was 22. Yeah, so I was like all over that quote. I was, <laughs> you know. That is a good point. So, so yeah, but so Rachel, you know, okay, so here's my thing, because I do think what Rachel says is valid in the scene. She says, you know, if he's not going to ask you out, go ask him out. Take a risk. Right. It's not a bad thing. Now, she goes a little crazy because she's like, you know, nothing is like being in love in, in right away, and you know, I don't think she's in love with Brody, but she thinks she is in love with Brody. And Kurt is definitely not in the mindset to be in love. He just wants to, you know, connect with somebody and, and have some fun. I, I don't think that he's looking to fall in love again, but, um, or at this moment in time anyway. Um, yeah, he totally rebuffs her. Like, he's just shocked when she says love. He's like, wait, what? Right. Do you love that guy who's been in our apartment? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he even is asking that question. I think he's just like, what? Like, he's just so, no, of course it's not. Yeah, that's not how love works. Yeah. Love takes time. No. Um, and like the Highlander, there's the only one. That's kind of how Kurt is. See, and then. And he's probably on some level really unhappy that it's not there. Oh, yeah. Wait, it's that his one love is not fair. No, no that Rachel's. Rachel isn't, isn't with that's okay, that's what I thought too. I'm like, wait a minute, that his love is not fair. <laughs> I'm going back to season one. <laughs> and what people thought during season one. But yeah, no, it's that is a good point. And it's it's funny later on when Rachel kind of breaks down and reveals, you know, she still loves Finn and et cetera, et cetera, it, it kind of makes more sense in my head, but it's here, I remember in real time, it just, I'm like, Rachel, what is going on with you? Like, you really just yeah. discarded everything that came before in your character. And it's, she's, it's just that she's trying to be this new person as much as possible. And she's really good yeah. at car, com, what is, um, compartmentalizing. Like, yeah. This happened. I'm going to shove it in the back and I'm just not going to think about it. And Kurt, as much as he can shield himself off from things, he's not as good as she is in that, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a few different themes that run throughout the episode. And mind you, I don't know if there's any of these with the new New Directions because I fast-forwarded that part. Um, but so we have, um, you know, the power dynamic of people who aren't normally the active one in the relationship taking action. That's the whole Sadie Hawkins thing. That's mm -hmm. all the women from the two young to be bitter and right. hurt. Apparently he's in there. He's in the club. He just he's too know. young to be better. <laughs> I do think that was intentional, um, though. I have, think it's parallel intentionally. Yeah. And then you have people uh, taking action, but clearly doing it in some way where there's some huge warning signs. And that's Rachel and Tina. Um, right. And then you have Blaine, who's sort of in this gray area. Like, he's not taking any action. He's super cautious about it. He doesn't know what to do. Um, I, I feel like the Sadie Hawkins plot line, oh, first of all, fails him in so many ways because he has a goddamn backstory and they, just, they don't even mention. But no, like, they do. In that they do a little bit, but yeah. They do. They do? They do. Yeah. 
The, it, so, it comes up. We talked about but it. But I have a, I have a whole counter argument to your argument, except this is in our episode. No, that's a great. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> no, but now I want to hear it. Yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> well, you can go ahead. You should state your argument. I think I, I fizzled out. Go ahead. <laughs> oh no! Just that when the whole kerfuffle happened about oh my gosh. So so they do mention it when when Blaine and Tina walk into Sadie Hawkins. And he's like, oh, da, da, beautiful decorations, blah, blah, snow, blah, blah. And then she's like, is this bringing up any bad memories for you or something like that? He said, no, I worried that it might, but it's not. Yeah. It's something like that. Oh, that's true. She also and mentions it. Didn't. Yeah, no, she also mentions it at, um, basically after she sings him that song, <laughs> um, they're at the lockers and she's like, you owe me an apology, which is whatever we talked about it in the other podcast. But, um, he, she basically says, Oh, I know why you're having trouble. You had issues with the Sadie Hawkins. And he goes, well, yeah, but that's not really what this is about. And then they go on. And so they kind of imply that Tina, Tina and and Blaine have a parallel of putting their love in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Rachel does too. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) So, for me, I mean, just in my counter argument to the argument that we're not even having, but <laughs> I, that I was having with, like all of fandom at the time um, was, or not all of fandom, but you know, people were like, oh, that's all that they said, and there should have been this really heart wrenching scene where, where Blaine pours out his emotions about the whole thing, and I'm kind of like, eh, trauma. You just don't mention it, you yeah. know. I mean, I, I think. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> With it in a different way, but I think it's like not usually very healthy to go into detail. What? What, Snarky? You kind of fizzled out, literally. He's Uh-oh. not going to mention it to him. No. That's not where. He's not certainly not going to mention it. He's certainly not going to mention it Like, I mean, she knows what happened. Right. I guess I understand the like apprehension, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, and I think it's also the right, I mean, gosh, you know, it's really sad. I think we did the podcast like two or three weeks ago at this point, so I don't remember exactly what we said, but we did talk about it, and, and we, I think we even agreed a little bit that it, it wasn't really, not, it didn't need to be. I think that they acknowledged it, and that was a good thing to acknowledge it, if you're going to bring up Sadie Hawkins, but it wasn't something right. that needed to be addressed more than they did. But that's right. just my two cents. This other parallel, since we're kind of in line, this other parallel that I noticed, or it's kind of like the opposite. So Marley is like the anti-Rachel in this episode mm-hmm. because, like, Marley's plot line is about slowing down and taking things at your own pace, and Rachel's plot line is about whatever you think is your own pace is just your bad habit. You need to get, get up with the pace of some outside force. In her case, it's New York, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of, that was, I was like, oh, they really did tie it all together. <laughs> that is really interesting, actually. I never thought about that. Oh, cool. And yeah, so then the end of the scene is when Rachel walks across the street and kind of <laughs> wanted to get hit by a truck taxi. <laughs> yeah. I oh. know, the cross light is red. Don't do that. There's like a car that goes past it. But yeah, I don't know. Um, so the last Kurt part of the, uh, this, the, um, episode is, uh, him actually asking Adam for coffee. And it's kind of funny cause Adam is like just chattering away about stuff. I don't remember what he's talking about. Okay. So I just saw a mashup. 
Oh. Oh, is it Sondheim? Is that what he says? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm like, I hear mashup, you in? And so I've been trying to figure it out, and I think you can read it both ways. Like, up until last night when I rewatched this episode, my headcanon was that Kurt had already joined Adam's Apples. Um, but now, like, watching this scene, it could be interpreted either way. Like, he's already in Adam's Apples, and Adam is asking him about the Sondheim mashup that he wants to do. Or, Kurt is not committed to being Adam's Apples, and Adam is trying to, like, you know, one, yet another effort to seduce him in, to lure him into the Adam's Apples. Uh, and <laughs> then, right into the Adam's Apple, okay. Right, and then Kurt's like, uh, oh, I'm in. And he's like, wow, oh, look. And then Adam's like, oh, great, we're in love, we're going to get married. He doesn't even need to get the coffee at this point, right? <laughs> he can ask next week, but that's Kurt asked him out for coffee too, and then they're definitely wedding though. Ask Kurt, who's like eighteen, ask him out for a drink or coffee, and I'm just like, with your Hawaiian ID, what do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe he means coffee, and then maybe it's like a drink, comma or coffee. Coffee. Is I feel like he was trying to be sophisticated grown up, and so he invites him out for a drink, and then realizes that he right. can't do that. <laughs> right. Right. Can I say, I, I I love how awkward Kurt is, though, about it, because he's so nervous, and he's cute, and he's just like, oh, okay, let's do coffee, and he's, it's just it's really sweet and cute, and I like it. Yeah. When he stops and does the fake tying of the shoe. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he stop when Adam's coming, he's pretending to tie his shoe. Oh my god, he's like, adorable! <laughs> yeah, he likes... Which makes me think maybe he hasn't joined the Apples because he could just casually walk up and talk to Adam, or maybe he's waiting. Maybe, he maybe this is after Adam Apple's practice. Who knows? To set the trap and lure someone in, you know. So he like waits for a second, you know, puts it out there, and then I'm snarky you're being all garbly uh-huh. like I'm, uh, I'm having yeah. trouble understanding what you're saying because you're like sound like a robot hmm. that's silly how's this <laughs> yeah more. is this better yes is it better yes it's oh, a lot better. better yes you're better i have no idea what i said that wasn't a robot that's okay. Did you hear me say that about how I didn't think he'd join the apples yet? Yes. Right. Then say after, whatever okay. you said after that. I just really enjoyed that sort of Kurt, rather than going up to Adam. No, you're sounding garbly again. Sort of like we need to reach set lays out. Yeah. Me- just to kind of pause and make cute. I, I enjoyed the way that... Kurt just sort of lures, he could have walked up to Adam and talked to him, but instead he lures him in. He, like, sits there, he does this sort of seductive, like, look at me, look how cute I am, I'm going to stand here, and Adam shows up, like, right away, and is blathering, because I can't understand what he's saying, (laughs) about all kinds of exciting things, and, you know, he brings up the Sondheim mashup, which, you know, if there was ever a way to get into Kurt's pants, that's probably one of them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and as soon as Kurt gives him like a little bit of go ahead and does the thing about the coffee, Adam just lights up 
and says yes in a way that's so, um, like, of course. And did you notice the song that's playing in the background? Yeah. Right when Kurt successfully is, like, putting his information in the phone, the lyrics um, alive and kicking come in, like, over the, over the sound of whatever's going on with the dialogue. And they sort of play in the background. Um, and I like how that tied into Kurt's being alive. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, coming yep. alive, all, all that sort of stuff again. It's just great. And he has this adorable, like, sort of kicky feet face that he's making. He's got his mouth hanging open in surprise. The rest of us yell <laughs> the scream, of course, you idiot. Um, and it's just so, it's so easy to imagine that Adam walked just far enough around the corner that someone couldn't see him, like, pumping his fist in the air, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, and just to get back to something boring and, like, technical, um, just in terms of, like, what's going on in this scene, like, is Kurt already in the Adam's apples? So what was your conclusion on that? Because I think that got garbled. I don't think he is. Okay. Because, I mean, I understand that Kurt's trying to, like, get Adam alone. But if he was already sort of, like, his friend in the group. First of all, he already had his phone number, probably. Right, also, yeah. Because of practice. And also, he would maybe be more inclined to walk up and talk to Adam and a group of people if they were already linked in some way. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Because I had, it had always been my headcanon that he was already in Adam's apples. And then I'm like, how did I not notice before? Well, so my reaction when, because Adam asks for his phone number and I'm like how did he or, or offers his phone number I'm like how did he not have that and oh, I'm that's like, a good oh maybe I've been misinterpreting <laughs> my whole headcanon is wrong I need to rewrite that thing anyway oh. yeah I don't yeah. know I guess I've never really thought about it but yeah I, I, I'll have to go with probably not at this point but the whole timeline is really funny to me because this is January let's say beginning of January and in a month and a half, he's going to go to a wedding and sleep with Blaine. And then oh, yeah. a, a month she after that, he's going to be engaged. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of ends Kurt's story. And this is, oh, well, first, actually, let's talk about um, it interspliced with the other two girls. Like they put him in the same, they're kind of framing him in the same place as Sugar asking Artie which is kind of weird because Artie was trying to get in her pants all last year and Lauren asking Joe, which, okay. That's not real. (laughs) doesn't make any sense, but okay. That whole too young to do better club is just stupid character assassination. It is. I feel really upset that Lauren, this is Lauren's last time in the show and they just kind of, yeah, did crappy things with her character. I'm sorry she ends yeah. on the snow. So I did like um, that when Kurt is asking about, he has that fabulous like sheepskin line jacket, but he's wearing a white shirt with navy stripes. Um, he's got so he's got like an homage to Dalton colors, but not quite. It also has like that cool zipper neck thing, so it's very Kurt. And he has on, like, that jacket and jeans that makes him seem very casual. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really and interesting to me, the mix of, um, like, sophisticated and casual that Kurt has when he's in New York. 
I was going to say, we've talked quite a bit about how Kurt's style changes after it, a lot in season three when he gets more into like vests and jeans. But um, once he gets into season, get into season four, he he's toned down a lot from his exuberant season one and two choices. Yeah. Um, also, he, he has a sense of much time commuting. He doesn't have enough time to, to, to <laughs> spend on his clothes. Bushwick is quite a ways out there. <laughs> I just think he doesn't have the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, too. Um, but, shoot, I had a thought. That's good. Oh, one of the other things that the show starts doing, they do it a little bit in this episode, and they do it a lot in Diva. Um and a couple times in other places, but um, I think in Guilty Pleasures, they, they cut between Kurt and Blaine's story, and it feels intentional, because a lot of times it's, you get, you end on a shot of Kurt, and then it cuts to Blaine, or you end on, right. you know, and I think that, you know, with costumes, and with props, and with editing, and whatever, I think that they're trying to still incorporate the claim story in there, if it's not explicitly stated. You mean how Kurt asked somebody out and then they pretty much cut instantly to Blaine dancing with Tina? Yeah. It's like, neither of these couples are appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but yeah, this is where Kurt's story ends in this episode. And before we get to Rachel, I, I do think it's unfortunate that we aren't, we don't see Kurt go on that date. That we don't see yeah. development of Adam and see Kurt, you know, going through that. And, and something that uh, has been brought up with, in regards to the breakup stuff is that Blaine needed some time to kind of figure himself out, to be okay on his own. Whereas Kurt, it's, you know, good for him to go out and date other people and see what else is out there. Just so that when he makes a decision, you know, should I be with Blaine or should I be with somebody else? It's it's an educated thought process i don't know uh-huh. words are failing me but but so not seeing the rest of this adam stuff it, it makes me a little sad i i'm glad there are a lot of fix out there that do flush things out it makes me super sad <laughs> because i just want to see people fawning over kurt all the time <laughs> i really yeah i wish that we would have had an interaction before he shows up at the snowden loft to have an yeah. understanding of where their relationship is at. I mean, and we have, he's going to come up in a diva, but he doesn't do much. I mean, there's no indication of anything that's going on with them beyond Kurt defending Adam's apples and Adam being. It's not, it's not an indication of anything that like Kurt has any sort of, we can't tell what Kurt's opinion of Adam is really, but you can tell that Adam is in it 100%. Yeah. Well, and I'd argue even going forward, and we'll talk about it more, I guess, in those episodes, but even in Diva and even in Girls and Boys on Film, I I don't get a sense of how um, uh, Kurt really feels about Adam. There really is, it's never explicitly defined. I don't know. You can argue that it doesn't need to be. I don't know. But I do think the story as a whole suffers a bit um, because they don't take as much time to flesh out what they... What could have been a really, really interesting story to tell. So Yeah. Um, so instead of um, um, Kurt and, and uh, Adam going on this little coffee date, we get Rachel and Brody. 
Um, and one of the most gag-inducing scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just oh, rewatched it. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I just watched it for the first time in a long time. And a lot, you know, Rachel's upset because Brody's late. And so Brody's like, you know, I would wait on a train, wait for a train forever if it meant coming to you. Okay. And then she's like, well, maybe she I'll warm up your hamburger. Burger and it's cold because turkey is their mating bird. You know? She's not even supposed to be eating it. Whatever. Well, um, maybe she's not vegetarian anymore. <laughs> I don't know. The show can't seem to figure that out. <laughs> well, or maybe she can't. I don't know. It's true. Yeah. But, yeah. And then he says all these romantic things. And she's like, I'll just warm this up for you. Well, that can wait. Let's dance without any music. Okay. <laughs> but the point of it is that um, it they decide, or he decides, no, she asks him to move in. And, um, you really should talk things out with your roommates before you do stuff like that, but... Right. Seriously. <laughs> but, yeah. But we get... that's And that's kind of a trend that happens with Kurt's story a lot in the second half of season four. You get some really great Kurt set up for a story, and it ends in Rachel's story. So... It just feels like there's so much Kurt stuff that's, like, on the cutting room floor for time. Oh. I know. I wish I had the scripts for this stuff because I, it always feels like there's like one more scene that like should have aired or something. It's always it feels like it's always missing like a scene in it. Yeah. Right. And since we don't have it, are we supposed to read what happens with Rachel and Brody as some commentary on Kurt's relationship with Adam? So does that mean like all those hate messages I would get on Anon that Adam's really a smarmy? manipulator and a horrible person. Well, I actually don't think Brody's a hor- horrible person. I do think he's a smart manipulator. But um, he's just so polished in the right. complete juxtaposition to Finn. Right. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Well, and I don't... So it is 9.45 at night. Where's Kurt? He's on his coffee date with Adam. Mm. <laughs> at 9.45 oh, at night. Oh, is it coffee? Mm-hmm. <laughs> with cream. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Paul's peaches. It should have been Paul's peaches. Anyway, Paul's Peters, Paul's Peckers. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's. I'm kind of looking through your notes, Wow, Bright, but some of the stuff, because I like your, and that's where Kurt's plotline ends, because he needs to remain a crystalline board and vir- again virgin for Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter. No, and no, I, ugh, man, no. I, uh, I think that's part of it. I think that there was a real um, relux- reluctance to show Kurt with someone else. I, just I wonder, just because I remember at the time, because we had gotten the spoilers and we knew that Kurt was going to have another love interest, and there was already, like, this was the time when Ryan Murphy was on Twitter and um, getting a lot of feedback, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and I wonder if the show just is chickened out the right phrase of, of, of going farther with it than the... I don't know, but I don't know. But why? And I, maybe this, this other episode is the time to have this 
reaction, but why is that fandom's reaction? Because Blaine, well, or is it because everybody left, all the people who would have the same reaction with Blaine left as soon as Blaine cheated on him, or is there some other standard? I mean, like, Blaine clearly has, he has this romantic interest in Sam, and then people ship Lamb without it being nearly as controversial, at least from my perspective, right. the whole Catam thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't. I think there's something about the visuals. Um, you know, the most you ever see is Kurt and Adam sitting on a couch, and at mm-hmm. one point Adam taking his hand. Um, and even I'm trying to think uh, in season six with Wynowski, there's not very many... Visuals, just there's a real lack of non-clean Kurt or Blaine romantic visuals that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's a well, way to maintain the consistency of the story. I don't know. Think of the hoopla over previously on your Christmas. Oh, and, I, I forgot about that one. How yeah, could I? There's that. And yeah, it's, today. Now, I will, I will throw this out there, though. Even, I, there is, except for the adults and the and, Really, it, it, a lot of season stuff with Will and Terry was the most explicit. But Glee as a show in general didn't go very far showing sexually explicit things. They they just, and this goes across the board. It's something I tried to, even Finchel, believe it or not, even with all of their kisses, there's not a lot of heavy making out-ish. There's not really any. Um, and they, they've always kept their, you know, younger... Um, their younger, um, um, what is, why can't I think of this word? No, the, um, characters. This is really bad. I'm going to have like dementia at 40. Um, their characters are very PG in a lot of ways. Sometimes they go on to PG 13, but, um, will, like I said, Will and Terry got the most explicit stuff and even Will and Emma weren't even that, you know, far. So Glee in its way of telling stories has always been toned down a bit. Uh-huh. So sure, but also Kurt's physicality is only shown or expressed within the context of Blaine. Yeah. yeah, like that's it. Which, for lots of reasons that I think make sense for his character, um, you know, he doesn't let people physically near yeah. him. Right. But I, I guess my issue is like we never see Kurt developing. Like, I think that, I think it's fair to say that Blaine has a romantic relationship with Sam in the sense that for Blaine, it's romantic, mm-hmm. right? And we never see Kurt developing that with anybody else. And it doesn't have to be like the love of his life, but I don't think he's immune to getting crushes. I mean, like the first season, he's like, so it's not just romantic right. he's having for Finn. He's like very, oh yeah, you know, overwhelmed by his hormones and whatever. And so I'm like, what I, I, for me, that like the frustrating thing about season four is that Kurt is still a human being. <laughs> right. Oh no, I agree. And I, that's why yeah. I, I agree in that frustration. I think that telling that Adam story, there was some, there'd be something really interesting, you know, to, to see them interacting in a more physical way and see how Kurt reacts to this kind of stuff. And right. there's a really, you know, even in a, you know, it, you can totally, uh, like, sorry, collecting my thoughts for a second. For me, I can see, you know, Kurt and, and Adam and they be romantic and, you know, gets into things. And, and it doesn't diminish what Kurt feels for Blaine or, right. you know, 
and and that's I think that's the thing that I fandom gets caught up on. And again, we can really talk about this a lot more on the podcast, that other podcast. That for whatever reason, the fandom has these lines, and it's hard for them to say, you know, if a person does this, then they can't possibly still feel things for that other person. Right. And it's unfortunate because you know I don't think real life is like that. I think you can have multiple feelings for multiple people in many different ways. So, right. yeah. I think the Kadam story is really lacking a flirty coffee date scene. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it needs. Yep. Before it, they get snowed in. Yeah, because the snowed in is like the only time we see them flirt, like where it's a two way flirt. Right. Yeah. Right? And then. Barely, barely participating in it. Yeah. So he's laughing at least. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. So that's. We need more. Yeah. And I'll even say at the end of that one. I, I think there should have they should have shown them going to the movies. I, I think it, it needed another scene after that one too. Yeah, but that felt like a breakup to me. That's true. Okay, well that's totally a different episode. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll get into it. There's so much more. I know we could just talk about this for hours. Let's wrap up this one though. So, um, was there anything about the specific episode that we in your notes that I'm kind of looking through everybody's notes here? But are you said yeah, I mean, too many songs. Yeah. I'm kind of curious what you meant by that. Oh, it's just my my constant issue with. Glee after the first season, maybe it's after the first half of the first season, that it's, you know, it kind of becomes more of a jukebox, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like one song after another, and it's like, I'm here for the plot. Yeah. I mean, I like the songs, obviously, that's part of the emotional impact. But especially when they do, a, like, a, a prom episode or a dance episode, it seems like some of these are injected for the sake of being interjected there. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I think, is what it is. It was it was during the during the City Hawkins flat, uh, you know, the, when they were going back to Lyman. It's like one song after another. It's not like it's bad. It's just like too many songs. Yeah. It's, well, you know what? Can't we just see Kurt's date instead? But yeah. yeah. Um. Well, there's no song there, I guess. Though there could be. Well, that's and why. I'm <laughs> I just. That's why. There can't be a song there because Kurt can't sing a duet with him because then he's cheating on Blaine. Yeah, that's true. That but, true. you know, they could just have a conversation. Yeah. I know. They wouldn't make any money off of, on iTunes off of that. So, <laughs> um, oh, no, I'd buy, the, I'd buy the, the Kurt half. I'd delete the, I'd have to, like, delete the Adam half, but I'd buy the Kurt half. Here's why. <laughs> so, um, I guess, yeah, I guess. My question, did we answer that? Whether, okay, so there's no resolution to me, or I guess we can say that Kurt taking a risk is the resolution to his arc. Yeah. But we wanted to see what happened after that. Right. And so it being replaced by, you know, do we look at Brody and Rachel's falling apart and then like cheesy makeup? as part of the Kurt plot or not? Like, is that hinting anything about Kurt and Adam, or is that just reading way too much into it? Oh, wow. Um, I have a hard time describing it, because she's on such a different page than he is. Because Rachel's on such a different page than Brody? Than Kurt. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I guess, I mean, maybe. Um... I don't know. I've never really thought about it in that, you know, respect, but you could. Um, 
Because everything about Rachel is like, oh my god, she's going so fast. And then you go to Kurt and he's going pretty slow, you know? Yeah. So I just, okay. uh, I have a hard time with it. I don't know. I still, it still feels like to me, like they wanted to give the Kurt this, okay, the point of his story was he's going to take a risk, so he takes this risk. And then we're not going to, okay, because of all of these other factors, we're not going to give you more. We're going to just throw in Rachel and Brody. And this is Rachel's risk that she's like, I'm going to have my boyfriend move in with me. Um, right. And end with, with Rachel's scene um, as a continuation of the longer, huge Rachel story. Okay. Uh, so that's just my interpretation. But Yeah, and the risk thing. Well, yeah. you know, Kirk, Kirk got the job at Vogue. He got into the F and the Winter Showcase. And he's now someone who's a date three probably as much as they want to give him. And, <laughs> and something bad has to happen to him when you can't have to go through the pretty cries. That's true, but he did just come from um, Glee, actually, where his dad had cancer, so... It is. Oh, good point. I mean, Kurt always has, you know, back and forth. This a lot of the season, but in general, back and forth on that kind of stuff. So yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. Um, I would like to say to my listeners, if you haven't, go ahead and get to the Blaine side. I'm so good with English, guys. No. If, uh, listen to the Blaine side. If not, next week we are going to do naked, and we're all going to be naked for that podcast. So, you know, <laughs> I'm kidding. We won't. But <laughs> um, I, I hope you guys have a great Sunday. Find the found you, my missing puzzle piece. I'm complete I was just guessing At numbers and figures Pulling the puzzles apart Will you love me? Even with my dark side Somebody let me come through I'll always be there As frightened as you To help us survive